Dudes, how are we? Uh, Vet Files, episode two. Who would have thought? Um, right, this week I'm chatting to a, an old friend of mine, uh, Al Henry. We've been friends for now 13 years. Uh, worked together out in Baggers for three, four years. Um, and it was a real pleasure to have a sit-down chat with uh, with Al. Um, we kind of we went really went into the crux of things and like you know what he did in the military and why he joined the military and it's sort of things like even though even though we've known each other for so, for so long we've never kind of you don't sit down with people and really go so why did you join the military mate or why did you do this or tell me about that you kind of you know you spin dits and that but you never really kind of go into the finer details and it was nice to chat to Al. And find out these reasons why he did, you know, why he made certain decisions in life. Um, I also love chatting to Al because the, he's just, he's a ray of sunshine. He's like positive about everything, you know. Um, and the other great thing about chatting to Al, and, and I got to meet his missus for the first time. And, and he's got a couple of kids. Um, is that they're genuinely good people. As in, like, I know people always say, oh, he's a good bloke and that. But... Al and Steph are giving back to their community, um, you know, with the with the business they have, with the, the meal prep business. It's great, and they do everything they can to bring the costs down because they're trying to feed, they're trying to provide the community they live in with good, nutritious food. And then they go a step above and beyond with things like having the food bank. Uh, and I'll, I'll, you know, you'll you'll hear more about that, and, and Al will explain that better during the during the chat, but. They really are good people, and and it really is one of those cases where, when you're a good person, good things happen to you. And you know he's had he's had a nice few little like bits of luck happen to him, and I, I truly believe that's because he's a good person. So um, enjoy listening. He's a cracking bloke. To be honest, we could have chatted a lot longer. I think we even say that at the end, but yeah, top bloke. Welcome everybody, Russ McDonough, aka The Nomadic Veteran, uh, and welcome to this week's uh, podcast. I've got someone with me today who I've not literally seen, so I've got to admit, we, we do know each other. Uh, I've not seen Al for, we reckon, about 10 years. Yeah. Um, but I'll let Al introduce himself, and then uh, we'll start We'll start the chatting. Al, over yeah. to you, bro. All right then, guys. Uh, so, yeah, as Russ said, 10 years has passed. Um, we both knew each other in ages. We worked in ages... I was there 2005, 2010, then, um, then I returned home. Um, I don't even know what to say, really. You know, as Russ says, we know each other, but just because we haven't really phoned each other or met mm-hmm. up for 10 years, it really means nothing in, in the, the forces industry. You know, we were just saying I had a friend knock on my door after 15 years, so it makes no difference, really. Um, we just pick up where we left off. You know, he's still a knobhead. Um, uh, Obviously. <laughs> so nothing changes. We're just... We're just catching up, really, about our situations and what we've been doing and what what I'm doing now, which is uh, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, man. So, um, first off, thanks for coming on. I mega, mega appreciate it. Um, So, before we kind of, we talk about what you're doing these days uh, and why I wanted to talk to you about that, I wanted to find, I want to find out a little bit more about... um, why you joined the military? So yeah. give us some. How old were you when, they, yeah. when you joined the mill, and, and, and why did you want to join right. the military? This is the best thing that you know. People ask me this a lot, and you know, I left school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I really didn't. Uh, a job come up in on a YTS back then when you got paid thirty five pound a week um, in a clothes shop. 
So I went and worked in a fashion shop. Didn't have a clue. Just, oh yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> that looks good on you, Yeah, yeah. So I went and worked in a clothes <laughs> shop and I did two years. And then one day I was in there and I just thought, I'm bored. And I went for a walk and I walked past the careers office. Mm. And I was like, wow. And back in them days, they had the video playing of Dave doing <laughs> skiing, Dave on the abseils, <laughs> Dave doing everything. How cool he is. Yeah. yeah. I goes in and I went, I, I knew nothing about the military. I knew nothing. I just went in. I said, what, what? What's the score? And this guy, um, Donnelly, I'll never forget him, Sergeant Donnelly, told me it was amazing. Just sit this little test, mate. So I sat the test there and there. Yeah, yeah. And he went, oh, mate, with your scores, you could do this, this and this. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And I was all keen. And I was, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I went back to the to my job to mm-hmm. the, in the shop um, and I got a phone call saying, oh, you've got to go on a two-day training course up in Scotland I can't remember what it's called now, but they just check you out. Went and did that. Went back to my job in the shop. And on the Wednesday, they phoned me up in the shop. And mm. he went, mate, Sergeant Donnelly. And I went, all right, yeah, how's it going? He went, yeah, do you want to join the army? I went, yeah, of course I do. He went, right, Monday. Fucking hell. I went, which Monday? And he went, next Monday, mate. Oh, cool's that? I went, I called that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, got a different word for it. I went, it's Wednesday and I'm at work. <laughs> and he went, I said, can I think about it? He goes, no, man, I need yes or no now. What? Yeah. And I went, uh, yes. And, and he went, see ya. And he hung up on me. I put the phone down and my boss was opposite and he looked at me, this Andy, and he went, who's that? I went, I've just joined the army, mate. <laughs> and he went, because he used to be a submariner. Right. And he went, oh, mate, that's great. I went, yeah, I go on Monday. <laughs> Oh, he lost it. He lost... You can't do that. You can't leave me. You've got to give me my time. You've got to give me yeah. notice. And he went off story, because he used to sulk. He went off and sulked. Mm. <laughs> Bless him. Very mature. Yeah, he was funny. And the, the manager then went and chat to him and said, oh, Andy, come on. Look, yeah. the lad's got this opportunity here. Yeah. So, yeah. So then Monday... I'm getting my train ticket and I'm going down down south to do an apprenticeship. Yeah. So how old you, 18? Well, I was 17 and a half, okay. uh, which is the official age for adults. Mm-hmm. But there was a massive mix-up. Believe it or not, the army do mix things up, don't they? Yeah. The, the Navy and everything. But they sent 30 of us to an apprenticeship scheme, which is for 16-year-olds. Right. By mistake. Right. And they didn't realise they made this mistake until like week three, <laughs> week four, when we shouldn't have even been on that camp. And, and this is how naive I was of the army and how little I knew. They were constantly shouting, engineer, engineer, engineer. And I'm like, why do they keep shouting engineer? I thought I was going to be this reamy. Yeah. <laughs> so they got me into the office and they went, right, mate, firstly, you're an engineer. And I went, oh, right, what's one of them? <laughs> so they had to explain it all to me again. Because uh, I just knew nothing. I thought the army was the army. Yeah. You joined the army and that was it. I didn't realise it was all these different branches. And he went, right, and secondly, you're not even meant to be here. But because of your school grades, you can stay. Out of 30 of us, four of you can stay. The rest have to go to Basingbourne where the adults do their training. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, what do I get if I stay? And yeah. They, oh, they reeled off all this stuff. And it was a six-month six course. And you did education, you did computing, you did adventure training. But also you did all your military stuff around yeah. it. yeah. I was like, well, I'll stay then. So I stayed and I did an apprenticeship, which I loved. And the thing about in the army, if you do an apprenticeship, it, it's sort of, it's looked on in good light because mm. it's like you're doing a junior leaders course. Right. So you're sort of looked on for promotion quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the negative side, not for me, but for the lads that join at 16, it means nothing on time because you don't, time yeah. doesn't start till you're 17 and a half, yeah. 18. So 
even though they've done wise. 20 years, they've mm. got to do 22, pl- well, 24. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which don't tell you that either. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a mega bugbear, that. Cause yeah, you, yeah. What, not only do you get paid less than everyone else, yeah. it's like I'm just treading water here. It's in count. Yeah. nothing. But um, you're, you're held to the same standards and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so, so th- I did an apprenticeship, and you know what? It was a massive eye-opener. I've, I've never been away from my family. I'm not scared to tell anyone. I cried on the phone to my mum. Yeah. And I cried, and I was like, Mum, it's hard. And I was <laughs> in tears, and my mum, bless her, she's nails. She went, get on with it. <laughs> and my mum tells me now she cried after the call. Oh. She had to be strong. Yeah. Because she knew that I would love it. And, uh, yeah, well, mate, bring tears to me. I was just thinking about it. And after that phone call, my mind changed. I can do it. And mm-hmm. I went on to absolutely love everything I did. It, wow. all, all my old military friends, if they see this and listen to this, they'll be like, yeah, you're an arsehole. It's because I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I soaked up everything. They give me a responsibility and I pushed it to the limit. I'd do everything I could because I just thought, I'm getting told what to do. I know how to do it and I love doing it. So I give it 100% from day one. What an attitude. Yeah, that, that, that was my military attitude. And that's why I've, I've taken all my military career and then even to civilian life, yeah. After my mum said, just suck it up and do it, I went, I could do it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then what, so what, what was the greatest hits of your military career then? Uh, highs and lows? Massive highs. Uh, like yourself, you, you were on me, commando. Uh, in the army, we can then get the opportunity to go and do the commando course uh-huh. and serve along you guys and support you. Um, so in basic training, you have all your instructors and there's always one that you'll look up to. Uh-huh. And... We had loads of parachute regiment guys, and then there's one commando guy, and everything about him just oozed. I want to, I want to be that man. Probably one as yeah, well, oh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course yeah. he was. Yeah, Greenlid, <laughs> Essence, Robbo, <laughs> and I was like, there was there was four para guys. There was him, and I was just like, I want to be him. Yeah. Everyone else went para. I was the only one who went commando. I just his attitude, his equipment, everything was spot on. Awesome. Where the para guys were just so rough, ready, and just, let's go. Yeah. Where this guy was methodical and everything was perfect. His kit was painted and, uh, yeah, proper. Um, so, yeah, I went commando course, did that, and served with free commando brigade in 5-9, and I loved it. Never looked back. Um, you know, I was, I was the guy that was, we need one guy. Yeah, me. We need one guy. Yeah, mate. Oh, mate. I volunteered for everything. I need one guy, yeah, go and clean the toilets. Oh. <laughs> but it paid off. In so the one, end, yeah. yeah. One day we're in Afghan, we need a guy. Yeah, I'll do it. Right, you're going to go shoot the 50 cals. I need to get rid of some rounds. Oh, sweet. Yeah. You know, uh, I volunteered for everything. Skiing, I went on so many ski trips. I was part of the uh, army ski team for 5-9. Well, never saying I was any good, but mm-hmm. I was part of it because yeah. I volunteered. Um, I did rowing, I did kayaking. I did everything because I volunteered. We'd do an op. I'd get back. I'd go up to the office because my my trade. I was plant operator mechanic. It can be used anywhere. Right. Everybody needs shit as digged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was me. Yeah. So I I just looked to see who was on ops. Four or five are going to Africa. Can I go with them? You know, they needed someone. Yeah. And that's yeah. how I lived. I I didn't want to be in the UK. I wanted to travel. I wanted mm-hmm. to go and do stuff. And that's what I saw Dave doing on the video. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be Dave. Um, so there were my proper highs, you know, volunteering for everything and just loved it. Uh, proper lows, and again, I'll talk about it. I mean, you probably don't know much about this. The drinking side, that was it, it ruined me, you know. Um, it's The military is a drinking culture. Yeah, massively. And 
I was never any good at it. <laughs> but I never knew when to stop. And the amount of times that I'd wake up in the morning and lads would be like, you screwed up last night, mate. And I did the stuff I could do. I can't tell you on the screen, you know. Uh, but I just, I made so many mistakes just through drinking when I, I didn't need to. But mm -hmm. it was the culture and you know yourself, if you didn't drink, you were looked, you frowned upon and you didn't mould. I don't even know anyone that didn't drink when I was serving. You know? Yeah, it, it's very much like if you're not if you're not out drinking, you're not part of that brotherhood as yeah, much. Yeah. And it, but then to be fair, drinking breaks breaks down. Yeah, it did build walls. You. Yeah, yeah it and did you get to know people. It, yeah. But then, as per most military people, we kick the arse out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Never knew when to stop. Honest no. to God, waking up in cells and like, luckily the cops were fairly good with us and like. You can go home now, mate. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of times there weren't. <laughs> you know, you resisted, resisted rest last night, mate. I was like, crippled. I was like, is that why I got beat up? And like, yeah, we had to use the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> the sticks. <laughs> Literally, mate. One, awesome. one time I, I got beat. Well, I didn't get beat up. They they, they used efficient force to stop me. Restrained <laughs> Yeah, restrained yeah. me. And uh, just so happened that it really hurt. <laughs> well, I didn't know at the time until I woke up. Yeah. And and that was just because of the drinking culture, the... I just, well, it was me. I, I can all my hands up and say it was me. I didn't know when to stop. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were my lows. Um, no no ops were a low for me. I loved it. Exercises. I was that guy that was bouncing around when it was soaking wet and all your kit was dirty, wet, and you didn't want to get into it. I was a guy going, woohoo! Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I loved awesome, it. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So where, in terms of ops, where, where did you... Okay, of... so, um, yeah, we, straight away with 5-9, because it was a very busy unit, uh, I was flown straight out to Bosnia. Uh, after I joined 5-9, and within a few weeks, straight out to Bosnia, they were already there, so I spent three months there. Come back from Bosnia, and then I did a load of orienteering and courses. Then we went out to Save Syria, so out in Oman. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'd out there. That was that was a cushy one. Again, lads hated it. We had the same ration packs for three weeks, but I loved it. I got on with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, got Oman out of the way. But in Oman, again... Um, that was 2002. That was right. Was and that's when we went out to Afghan at the same sort of time right. period. Um, they were like, we need a volunteer. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Right, you're going to fly out to Afghan. So get around the lads and get some uh, Arctic <laughs> kit together. I was like, we're in the middle of the desert. We're on yeah, the desert. Yeah. Who brings Arctic kit? And they're like, there'll be someone. And there was. There was a few lads. Yeah. So there's me getting all this Arctic kit together. And as it happened, I didn't need to deploy. So we didn't go until the following year. But in between that, I got a ski trip in. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, since you didn't get that, mate, well, you can go do the skiing. Oh, mega. Cheers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we flew out to Afghan and did uh, Afghan, which uh, we lived in Bagram. Uh -huh. uh, we, we built the uh, coalition side for Bagram Airspace. We built that. Uh, and then the lads were supporting out in the mountains, blowing the caves up and stuff. Yeah. yeah. We found a cave, needs blowing up. Engineers go in, blow it up. Job done. Awesome. Yeah. Look, I know I'm not. I'm not. I'm blowing someone else's story there because I didn't do that. I was back on camp digging shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Living the dream. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we did Afghan. Uh, I did a rack with Five Nine uh, when it was the actual invasion. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I loved it. Liberation, liberation, yeah, yeah, yeah. liberation. Sorry, invasion, <laughs> yeah, wrong word. Um, so yeah, I flew out there, and again, I wanted to be at the front. So as an engineer, we go forward, we build the camp. Three commander brigade come and live on the camp and then fly in. Mm -hmm. So I was like, right, I want to fly in with these guys. What do I need to do? So I chose 
I'm plant operator mechanic. I chose the right equipment that would get sent forward first. Mm -hmm. So I chose the light wheel wheel digger because I knew that'd get flown in first because they need it. So anyway, I flew in first, um, got in there. First task, we you know, and we might touch on to this about mental health. The first task I had to do was bury my bury bodies. Right. Yeah. Uh, I landed, and they were like, right, the, the the tank buster's been in. There's a load of people dead in that trench. Can you just go and cover it over? Uh-huh. And I went over to it, and there was pictures of the Iraqi soldiers in the trench, of their families. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget it. It stuck with me, and I'll talk about that later. And my second task was to dig a mass grave for 15 bodies. 15 bodies got wow. put in it. The following day, <laughs> me and uh, Beth, Sergeant Betty, we had to go and dig that grave up because the locals wanted their bodies back, which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. But you... You've got to understand, you know, looking back at it now, it's like, Jesus, I've got to live with that. But at the time, it, it was nothing. You just get on with it. You just got on with it, digging it, digging these bodies back up. Yeah, there's another one. You know, we weren't just throwing them about. We were treating yeah. them with respect because, you know, that that's what those British people, British soldiers mm-hmm. are like. But it, that's, you know, that was my first task when I landed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the, the, the three months just went on from there. Um, so, yeah, we come back from Iraq. Um I got into trouble with a bit of drink. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine not drinking for three months. Uh, stre- oh, yeah, pop star. Yeah. So we, we landed. Um, I'll never forget, again, we got off the uh, gone to the coach at Bryce Norton and some officer said, right, lads, the standard procedures is that you don't go home for the first week. Uh-huh. You need to come down. The bus erupted. He went, I knew you'd say that. Go home for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go home for the weekend. I'll see you all on Monday. I ended up in a cell. Yeah. yeah, within within twelve hours, you know, I was doing things totally wrong. Just, just been been an idiot on the town. Um, so yeah, so drinking sort of got in the way of me. And and five nine were like, right, we need to sort this lad out. Let's send him on another op. Yeah. <laughs> Keep him dry. Yeah. yeah. So I went on another op with two two engineer regiment, um, and then I stayed with two two engineer regiment, which was just the non commando brigade. It's just a normal engineer regiment. Mm-hmm. Um, I did another op in Af- in Iraq with them, and I was I was the commanding officer's driver. Which some people are like, "Oh, what a job!" I actually loved it. Mm. You know, I had one boss. It was the commanding officer, the colonel. He was in charge. He was my boss. I didn't have to do all the parading. I just yeah. did what he needed. He needed driving. He needed driving there. My job was to get in there safely and do everything. Um. So yeah, and then after, when I was in Iraq, that's when I bumped into civilian contractors. I mean, do you want me to yeah. touch on that now? Yeah, yeah, go for it, bro. So I, I went to a, a location in Basra with a with a colonel. He went in the office, and these two civilians come over to me smoking. I was like, "What's going on?" Yeah, British civilians. I was like, "What's going on?" They're like, "Oh, nothing, mate. Same as you, but I've been paid seven hundred pound today." And I was like, "What?" I went, "I've got ninety two quid in my pocket, <laughs> which I thought was great anyway." Yeah. And he went, and I didn't understand the civilian world. So uh, he chatted, he told me about it. The colonel got in and uh, we're driving off. And I went, boss, do you know the civilian contractors out here? And he went, yeah. Have you been chatting to him? Uh... I went, yeah, I'm signing off. And he knew straight away. He didn't even try and persuade me to say. So that, that's, what, that's what made you yeah, want to leave? The, the thing that made me want to leave, and again, yes, it was money, but it was the same job. They were doing exactly the same job as me, but getting paid more. And not just getting paid more, as you know, uh-huh. going to Aegis, one of the, a very uh, reputable company, they got looked after better. Uh-huh. You've got better equipment, more weapon system, better armoured vehicles, uh-huh. more overhead cover than you did in the military. Uh-huh. Um, 
and again, that was just a massive eye opener moving across to the, the civilian sector. You know, um, and we we spoke about this earlier that you sort of leave the military to go into the military. Yeah. But for me, I thought it was a good transition because it taught me how to be a civilian. You know, I could walk around with my hands in my pockets and not get shouted yeah. at. <laughs> but I was still in uniform carrying a gun. Um, and then you got sent home every six, seven weeks and you had three weeks off. Uh. Um, I mean, there was times when I came home and there was a bit of PTSD kicking in and I'll never forget... Uh, I've been working in Fallujah, and I come home Honking. for my yeah. I come home for my time, and it must have been around bonfire night because I was cleaning my Audi mm -hmm. <laughs> convertible, like oh, you do, because that's yeah. what we did. And some fireworks went off. Mm. And the next thing, I, I was behind the tire counting the rounds. Fucking hell, mate! And uh, when I got to like twelve, I saw sort of stepped up and realised where I was. Yeah. Because that's what you're taught. As soon as the rounds start coming in, take cover, start counting, ready for that mag change. Mm. <laughs> and I found myself down there and I was like, Jesus. You know, I was like shaking my head. I didn't tell anyone. I haven't really spoke about it to, to, about it to anyone. I, I tell, I'd speak now to Steph about stuff and it sort of like hit home to me. And mm. I was like, I need to get off the road. That's what I wanted to do. I, I, I didn't want to come home. I wanted to get off the road. So then I left and I went to another company because it was Static Guard. Mm -hmm. That was worse. It was a worse company. It was absolutely rubbish. They were sending us out on the road with less protection. Um, and we lost a guy. Well, we lost quite a few, but we lost a guy. And this is, uh, you know, part of what... I'm glad we're doing this because it helps me get it out. Mm -hmm. it, I never think back about pulling the trigger. I never think back about bombs going off and cars getting blown mm -hmm. up. We lost a guy and I had to box his room up. Oh, that was yeah. the hardest thing for me. And you could probably hear it in my voice. Like, he, he was a good mate of mine, a South African lad. And um, he got killed, actually, coming to pick me up from the airport. Yeah. yeah. So these three vehicles turned up and I was like, it was meant to be four. Because we know how it rolls. And they went, we've lost one. We lost three lads. Well, two, two injured and one uh -huh. dead. And I was like... And then they told me who, and obviously, oh, I'd, and then, but then they were like, here's your kit, mate. We've got to drive mm, back up back. to Al Assad. Mm. So I'm having to process this. They've just been through it all, but mm. we still had to do the mission. So we did the mission, and uh, we got back to the camp, and everyone just went their own way. And the team leader went back to Rob's room, and I knew what he was doing. And I went to Rob's room, and this team, TL, was just stood there in the middle of the room in tears. And he was like, just stood there. And I was like, what are you doing, man? He's like, he didn't talk to me. He could have had nothing to say. Yeah. So I said, look, you you go. Go to your room. I'll do it. And I had to box his room up, mate. And that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Box someone's kit up. Sending it to his missus, who was yeah. preggers. How bad's that? Yeah, unfortunately, that's not like a... a a singularity story either. No. How many stories have we heard of, of, of other guys who we didn't even know who were yeah. like, it was their last day in Iraq. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, or they've just had a nipper, or yeah. there's so many like shit, it really is. stories. Yeah, uh, yeah man. That's... And you, you don't, you don't ever. You hear these stories when you're working out there, and you don't ever think about it. You don't acknowledge it until you do it. And even even when I when even when I was boxing his room up, I was been brutal because I was like, his missus not going to need this ops kit. Uh -huh. I sold it to the lads and sent the money. She yeah. needed the money more than that. Um, and I, I, didn't, I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel bad. I understood it all. 
But it isn't until this last year, if not maybe two, I've really started to open up and talk to my wife about it. She's like, she'll ask, she doesn't ask, but she'll know something's on my mind and I'll just Uh be like, I think about it every day. Uh Think about it every day. Um, But you don't when you're there, do you? You don't think about it when you're there. Well, that, that, that's a combination of one being a being a guy, and yeah. then two obviously being a military guy, yeah. or, and and you just taught to like get on with it. Yeah, get on with it. You know, man up. That, yeah. that, that's the worst saying in the world. Man, man up. up. You know, and then uh, it has ramifications yeah. down the line, doesn't it? But, so I mean, I never forget when I was in the military. Uh, we'd been in Iraq, and we'd come home, and um, we were driving back to camp one night, and this young lad who was driving for, from Middlesbrough down to. Tidworth, which was about four hours, uh-huh. he spoke about a contact he was in. And he, he just spoke for four hours about this one contact. And I was his full screw at the time. I was his, his superior. And I said to him, we got to camp. And I said, do me a favour, Millie. Go to the med centre tomorrow. Uh-huh. Don't come to don't come to the troop. Go to the med centre tomorrow. Chat to someone. They're going to give you leave. Don't take the leave. Because that's what they'll do. They'll just send you on leave. Tell them you're not going on leave. You want to speak to people. Uh-huh. They sent him on leave. The lad nearly tried killing himself. Yeah. And that's what military do. And the, the staffy at the time, he come into the office, got us all in the, the office. He's like, Millie's been to the doctors. What the fuck? You come and speak to me first. Mm. And then everyone left and I sat there and he goes, what's, what's your problem, Al? I went, I sent him. Because he was an ex-59 as well. Uh-huh. So we both, we could talk to each other different. And I was like, I sent him, mate. And the way you just spoke to these lads is wrong. I said, we don't, I said, we need to address things. We need uh-huh. to address these situations. We don't tell lads, you come speak to me first. If they, they might not want to speak to you. Yeah. You were in the contact, you know, uh-huh. you know, you've got to, got to remember this stuff. You were there, you were in it. You know, you might be able to process it different. Millie, bless him, was only 17 and a half. <sighs> yeah. And he told me he was pulling the trigger and people were falling. He was pulling yeah. the trigger. People were falling. He dropped down, changed his mag, he's back up. Uh-huh. Not really, yeah. something 17, that a 17, 18-year-old kid yeah. does. Exactly. You know, and I suppose these are like low points, but at the time I didn't see it as low points. I just, it was the army. We got on with it. We yeah. did what we had to do. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, I loved every operation and everything we did, but now that I look back and I think, Jesus, there, need, there needs to be more in place. And you'd like to think there is. Yeah. I, I think I think there is. Mm. I, think, I still think we've got a long way a to long, go, long but... Way. We're making progress. Yeah. So, know. so that you know, a like massive nutshell there. So, joined the army, moved to the military, moved to the private sector. Um, uh, you know, and that that was like a thirteen-year career for me, military, private. Yeah. So, when you when did you leave Iraq? Because we 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 were literally both in baggers. We're both Baghdad. Were uh, we? both the same company, so we've seen each other yeah, pretty much yeah, on yeah. a daily daily basis. I left in two thousand eleven. When did you leave? Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah. A year before me. What what? Why? Why did you feel like that was the time to leave CP? You know what? The reason why I left, um, I was I, I was looking at it. it the dynamics were changing. Uh-huh. We were having to stop at checkpoints. We were having to produce documentation. Uh-huh. Uh, lads got arrested. Do you remember an RLT team ended up in jail for 24 yes. hours? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lads were getting arrested. And I sort of said to myself, now's the time to go. You know, the, gone are the days of when we could push through anything. Gone are the days when we were pushing cars off and, you know, stopping people at 100 mm-hmm. metres, 200 metres. Bubble, yeah. yeah, we had that massive bubble. Um, I mean, at one point, I was on a, te- a team where we were the first ones to integrate mm-hmm. uh, gyms. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. 
And I tell you what, going from a bubble to the next thing, merging in traffic, and not even being able to see your alpha car. Uh, woo! Uh, woo! What an eye opener! And that's when I swapped to the PSD side because uh -huh. I was like, wow, I, I want to get away from the road again because it's just I thought saw it going in a different direction. Um, and then I just saw people. It just started. It started. It just become a headache going out on a mission because you had to have make sure you had the right documentation, make sure you got your passport, yeah. and you make sure you got this. You know, uh, I just thought, you know what? And the dollar was failing as well. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, we were lucky. <laughs> during there was a, there was a good couple of years there where we yeah. the exchange rate was ridiculous, and yeah, you know, we we did all right. Um, so you've you've, you've left CP two thousand and ten. Yeah. Did you have a plan or, or were you just kind of cuffing it and going you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to... As I started putting my feelers out to leave, um, a friend who was on the RLT team had a friend back in the UK that was setting up a company uh, called Commando Joe's who did fitness for children, military fitness, and he introduced me. So on one of my leaves, I met up with him, we had a chat, and he said, there's a job for you, mate. Because it was only him mm -hmm. and he needed staff. Yeah. So um, I come back to the UK and I set up, help set him up. Uh, I, I set up Leeds and the surrounding areas, um, military fitness in, for, for kids uh, in schools. Um, and I was saying to us, like, we did birthday parties as mm. well. The first weekend back, I did this birthday party and the kids were a nightmare. And... <laughs> I got back in the van and I phoned one of my friends who, who just left the rack as well. And I was like, I'm a kid's entertainer. I'm a kid's entertainer, mate. That's what I am. I'm getting paid. I'm a kid's entertainer. Um, last week, we were running missions down Irish. You know, what's going on? And he just said, oh, this is life, man. This is it. You have got to change your attitude. You've got to drop that. It doesn't matter what you were yesterday, last week. It's what you are now. Um, and I'll never forget that. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I moved forward. Uh, done that for a year with this company and again I knew nothing about business nothing mm -hmm. and I was doing a birthday party and this guy said is this your company and I was like no mate it's someone else he said why don't you run it I went <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start yeah. and I did this party for an hour and a half and at the end the guy came up to me and he said here you go and he gave me a piece of paper I went, I went it's a business plan I went, wow. I went, I went what fun he went your own business what's your name and I went Alan and he went 18 fitness yeah, is that where it came yeah. from? And I just, I just went, oh, okay, is it that easy? And he went, I've written your business plan, there's your name, just register it, off you go, mate. And that was it. Wow, man. He obviously seen something in you and was yeah, like, you he, should be doing this for yourself. So, so not to, like, I never taught, took no business away from the other company because he was Manchester, Leeds, yeah. Liverpool. Um, I, I, I approached the schools in my local area and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll have you. And I reduced, because he was charging big money, I reduced it, and they were like, yeah, we'll have you, mate. And I just rolled into that for three, four years, yeah. Um, Enjoy it? I loved it. I loved every day of it. But again, what I found I was doing, working seven days a week. Mm -hmm. I was going, I was doing personal training in the morning, going straight to a school, working in a school all day, mm. coming out, doing boot camps on a night and PT in, and then parties on a weekend for the kids. I was working seven days a week. And I don't know how long I'd done that for, but a moment, I think when I met Steph, mm -hmm. and Steph was working as a deputy head teacher, and we, we got together, we were, uh, you know, madly in love like we are now, and we looked at each other, and Steph said she wanted to start a family, and I just said, well, when are we going to see this kid? Yeah. And we both looked at our lives and went, what are we doing? We were chasing the dollar again, you know, thinking we needed all the money. I mean, you know, Steph won't mind me saying this. When I, as soon as I said to her about 
when would you see these kids, the realization just hit her and it hit her hard. Mm -hmm. she, had, she had to take six months off work. You know, she, she was that, she went, she had depression, shingles all at once. It just hit her, uh, the stress of the job. Um, and in that six months, we sort of like chatted and we like, well, what do we want to do? And we were like, we want to be together. We want to work together. Yeah. So we looked at what we both loved and we both loved fitness and health. So that's what we did. We put a plan together where we'd go into schools because Steph, I was already in schools, but Steph was more uh, obviously a teacher. So she put together a, a program that not only did the fitness side of things, but mm -hmm. it educate the kids as well. So she tweaked my programs so that I was delivering a fitness class, but it's also targeting maths. Um, you know, the kids mm -hmm. were learning yeah, at the same smart, time. Yeah, yeah uh, like in schools, they need to hit criteria. We Steph helped mould that. Uh, and then we also looked in at family fitness, bringing the parents yeah. in, engaging them. kids learn from yeah, what yeah, all, uh, yeah. their parents are doing. Because that's what I was always saying to parents. Like, I, I train kids all day and then you rock up and give them a Mac D's. Yeah. I said, and then you're expecting me to get them fit mm. and healthy. And, I, and that was the penny moment drop that we need to train the parents again. Not train them, retrain them. We all, Yeah, we all know what's right and wrong, mm. but somewhere along the line we forget. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we created family fitness together. Steph retrained as a nutritionalist so that she could project the, because she loves her numbers and facts yeah. and figures. So she then talked about food. I did fitness and it just worked perfectly. Um, you know, we, we, from there, what did we do? You know, it's quite, it's quite an interesting thing. Steph always wanted to, because she cooks a lot mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, your food's amazing. Will you cook for me? And she said, should we set up a meal prep business? And I was the one that went, no, nah, babe, do you know how hard that would be? <laughs> do you know how hard it would be? You'd have to get health and hygiene checks. You'd have to do so many courses. Uh -huh. Turns out you don't have to do anything. You just have to get one certificate. Oh, really? Yeah. Shouldn't say that. It's, yeah, it's, it's nails. nails. It's nails. Don't do it. Um, so we, we tick the boxes. Um, and I don't know what it is with me and Steph, but we seem to fall on our feet. One day we're out walking, uh -huh. just having a walk, chatting, saying hello to people. And this guy called Steve, who lives in the local area, he, he was chatting us, and I said, oh, I'm running boot camp, mate. Why don't you come to it? Mm. And then he, he got chatting, and he said, here's my phone number, buddy. And I didn't think anything of it. So anyway, he, he phoned me and said, could you meet me at this location? I want to have a chat with you. So I was like... Dodgy. Yeah, yeah dodgy, but <laughs> I met him. <laughs> Still there, five minutes early. Yeah. No seconds. <laughs> I, I turned up, and he walked me around this building, and he went... He, he, he walked me around it, he said, what would you do with it? And I was like, oh, I'd do this, mate. I'd do this, do this. And I said, what, what, what do you want to do, like, Steve? And he went, hey, just give me the key. And I went, no, nah. I said, no, mate, I can't afford rent. And he went, I don't want nothing off you. I want this building used for the community. Wow, man. Yeah. Talk about falling on your feet. Yeah. So, but it was a, it was a blank canvas. And he, he, he paid for decorators. He paid for equipment. And this is where I fell into the with the boxing community mm -hmm. because he was a very uh, boxing coach. And then there was a guy called Steffi Bull Promotions. He was he ran his professionals there, so he put a lot of money into it for the equipment. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, oh, well, a, a, cross, a cross, CrossFit rig would be brill. He was like, you get it made, and I'll pay for it. Quite cheeky, and, yeah, yeah. Got it next door, built it. He's a fabricator and welder. Um, we got it over there. Got it in. Bully paid for it, bless him. Um, you know, and then I trained his professional boxers there, which was a shock to them because they'd never done um, deadlifts, pull-ups. They'd never lifted yeah, weights. Yeah. They're all about cardio. Um, so it was a bit of a shock to them as well. Um, so anyway, we, we did that for a year. Um, and then someone offered me another gym in Retford, which was a bit closer. Mm -hmm. So I took that. Uh, and, it, and 
it just seemed to like fall that people would offer us, oh, we've seen you've done very good over there. Do you want to come and do it for us? And I just I just wanted to reach as many people. Yeah. It wasn't about money. It was about, I just wanted to reach as many people. So I was like, yeah, well, that one's thriving now. So we go over there. Um, and then a year after that, so a guy, Steffi Bully, phoned me and he said, oh, I'm getting my own gym now. Do you want to come over and have a look? And I was like, oh, I'd love to, because I've been following you, mate. And I went over and had a look. And I said, oh, Bully, I'd love to run some boot camps here. Mm. And he goes, oh, brilliant, because I was thinking that. And then he had a kitchen that wasn't doing anything. He said, is there anything you could do with that? And uh, Steph was like, well, I'd love to do meal prep. And I went, babe, I've told you. <laughs> yeah. It's too much hassle. Yeah. And, and Steph went, well, let's look into it. So we looked into it. She did all the relevant courses. I did all the relevant courses. Next thing I know, we're doing a meal prep business. Um, but it was it was a different meal prep business. It wasn't like your, your normal rice and chicken and veg and chicken. It was a vegan meal prep business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say it like that is, well, it was plant-based because that's the, the lifestyle we chose. Um, going back a year, a guy came into the gym and he said to me, he wants a meal plan and that's something we used to do. And I said, oh, no worries, mate. And he said, yeah, there's uh, just one stipulation, though, is uh, I don't eat meat. <laughs> and I laughed and I went, what do you mean you don't <laughs> eat meat, mate? Yeah. And he went, yeah, I don't eat any animal, animal products. Uh, I'm vegan. And I didn't even know what a vegan was. This was, what, three, maybe four years ago now. I went, mate, I can't help you. Mm. You don't eat me. I can't do nothing for you. And I sent him away. Mm. And I come home on the night and I said to Steph, I told her what had happened. And I said, I feel ashamed, babe. I couldn't help this guy. Mm-hmm. And I started Googling what is vegan, what is plant-based, what is it? And I, I was I was amazed that there's people out there that mm-hmm. don't eat me. <laughs> you know, it really was amazing to me because I've grown up on a farm and around farming culture and everyone had knew at me and um so i looked into it and at the same sort of time i was getting a bit picky with my food and also there was another thing that was happening there was a friend of ours who uh she was battling cancer been diagnosed with cancer um so we started looking at nutrition and how that would help her energy levels and the more and more we delved into it the more and more it kept pointing to plant-based for health mm-hmm. plant-based for health plant-based for health ditch the meat dangerous blah 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 so Steph turned and said, should we give it a go? And I was like, yeah, okay, then let's give it a go. Um, so we went plant-based. First three days felt like rubbish. I'm not scared to admit this. The only reason why all we'd done was took the meat off. Yeah. We didn't add anything on. <laughs> we just took the meat off. And then I'm laid on the sofa on day three going, yeah, plant-based is winners. <laughs> I had no energy because I didn't I didn't substitute the calories that I just took off. Yeah. So that's when Steph was like, we need to do this properly. And then she just started producing these amazing meals. People going, oh, they look amazing. Steffi offered us a kitchen. And then there you go. Boom. Fighting Fit Kitchen was created. Um, and what, what year is this now? Uh, I want to say, well, I was Sophie five, didn't she? So we've been vegan four years. So three years. This is our third year, yeah. And it's got. And, and how is that going? Because I know that... Well, yeah. I'll, I'll let you... Spin oh, it. Yeah, right. So... First of all, we were just supplying to the boxers, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to the low, to the guys. But again, I'm not scared to admit it, and they'll all admit, they're all meat eaters, we're men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they didn't embrace it too well. So then we just had to start pushing it out into the local community. We got got a good client base, and mm-hmm. it went really, really well, okay? Um, first year, um, like in any business, wasn't amazing, but it was. It was just growing and growing and growing. And I, I don't think that was just down to us. Mm-hmm. I think that was just because of the the... 
the popularity of veganism. It's you booming. Know, yeah, mainstream media were pushing it out. Uh, There's so many documentaries, what the hell, Cowspiracy, they were all getting thrown out to people uh-huh. and people were watching it and just asking the question, do they need it or not? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, the business started booming. Um, and then I, I turned to Steph and I said, because we were travelling to Mexico, which was like 30, 40 minutes every day, and I was like, why don't we pay to get our kitchen done out and work from cook it from home. So we looked into what we had to do, what guidelines we needed from the local council. We got a brand new kitchen on tick, uh, got the walls knocked through so we could operate better. Uh, the council come out and inspected. They were well happy, give us a five-star rating, off we go, and we awesome. just went from it. Um, and we went full steam and we would, I said to you, we only cook one day a week because... In the food industry prep business, it's not just one day. It's the prepping, it's the shopping, it's mm-hmm. the advertising. It's you know, the, there's the, much more to it. Yeah, the just... ingredients that we get, we've got to go to Sheffield to a certain ethnic uh, store to get some mm-hmm. of the spices. You can't just get them from Tesco's. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got to spend a full day going to Sheffield, bouncing around four different wholesalers to get the right stuff. Um, so we we only cook one day a week, but we got to a stage when we were we were smashing out like three hundred plus dishes a day. Wow. And then not only dishes, but puddings, snacks, and breakfast. Because mm-hmm. we we created what's called our detox plan. So it's a it's basically eat like Steph and myself. We have a healthy breakfast, healthy snack, healthy meal, healthy pudding, healthy dinner, and another healthy snack. And we put this all together as a little bundle. And then people just buy. I'll have a five day detox plan. And it it wasn't a detox like you see on the adverts. Oh, lose weight in five days, mm-hmm. sort of thing. It was a detox because you're taking out the meat and the dairy, mm-hmm. and that's what we're detoxing you from. Because dairy it gives cause inflammation and things like that. So people started feeling amazing. So a lot of people, a lot of our customers, you know, they'll do a five day detox, then relax on the weekend. Five day detox, relax on oh, the okay. weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got people that you know they're like, oh, could we we knock up massive pies for them, and then they decide what else goes with the dish mm-hmm. with their family, um, and we just we cater the meals to their requirements um, and it's just grown from strength to strength you know like how's, saying, the, uh, how's the boxes take it how did their performance and you know what in all honesty you know none of the boxes would embrace it um, they were all still very meat orientated yeah. you know which when you've been when you've been told that your whole life, life yeah they couldn't it just takes a little yeah, bit of time oh they, they, they wouldn't embrace it and you know the brilliant guys, the very rigid, and I saw I saw athletes performing at such a high level. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind, you know. Um, you know, even like doing the commando course, I saw how hard we trained, and then I see not so much how hard they train, but how dedicated they are mm-hmm. to their food. They had dietitians, um, you know, who give them their diet plans. So some of them would buy a they had odd one or two dish. Oh, I haven't made my meal today. Can I have a dish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no worries. There you go, mate. Off you go. Um, but none of them embraced it, you know, and, you know, it is a shame none of them did embrace it because I would love to have seen what performance they mm-hmm. had, what results they had. Um, I got very close to a guy called Lee Connolly, a professional boxer. He's a vegan, long-time vegan, and the best thing, the thing about boxing is they've got to make weight. Mm-hmm. So a boxer might lose five stone a year because mm-hmm. he's going up and down, up and down. Lee Connolly, because he's vegan and plant-based, he stays at the weight all year mm-hmm. long. He doesn't have to worry about making weight because mm-hmm. his weight is just perfect all year long because he's indulging on plant-based food. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fueling his body correctly. He's not overeating. He's not putting in too many calories or too high fat. Plant-based all the way, and he doesn't have to worry. He's got no yo dieting like all these other boxers who drop two stone for a fight, put six back on, drop two, yeah. <laughs> you know. 
like I say, in a year, a boxer might lose five, six stone, you know, which is crazy. Well, it, it also, like, when you, when, you, when you talk about combat sports, the, and you talk to any fighter, the first fighter is actually making the weight. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. So if, if you're able to take away that stress and be like, look, yeah. don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. You just focus on what you've got to do in the ring, in yeah, the cage, etc. Yeah. You're at a psychological advantage already. That, that's right. And like I say, being plant-based, you know, I, I do think it is amazing. It helps with a lot of things, including the recovery. Even now when I do my workouts, yeah, I'll ache, but not half as bad as I would mm -hmm. when I was smashing loads of whey protein. Mm -hmm. You know, and <laughs> that's the only difference. You know, I'm still training to intensity. I'm still lifting heavy. Um, the only difference that I've made in the last four years now is diet. Yeah. And I don't even train as hard as I used to, if mm. I'm honest. I'll try, I, I, I'm a massive advocate on 10, 20-minute high-intensity interval training, going at it, CrossFit style maybe, you know, just pushing it to the max. But I will never train over an hour, over half hour. Really? Yeah. I've, I've not done one workout this year over half hour. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I'm all about short, sharp, explosive powers, mm -hmm. putting on enough weight on to struggle but still have good form. Good. Yeah, everything. it is, isn't it? Um, and I've also moved a lot where more into mobility, which we spoke about before. Mm. I couldn't even touch my toes a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a lot more on stretching properly, good, hard, intense workout, stretch again, and just eat correctly. That, you know, that's what I say to people who train hard uh, but don't have the body they deserve. Mm -hmm. And I just say it's because you're not eating right. You know, be it meat, be it they're doing it that way, or plant-based, they're not focusing on the, the, the food. Mm -hmm. If you focus on your food more than you do your training, you will get the body you deserve, the body you want. You know, it, it's, and like being plant-based, I just find it, it takes a lot of thinking away from you because you don't have to worry about overeating your calories because it's plants at the end of the day. It's hard to overeat. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think... Um, being, I, I, personally, for me, I think plant-based is, is is awesome. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. when and people ask me about it as well. I'll never say I'm vegan. Yeah, because uh, that was an, obviously I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but when someone says vegan to me, it's oh instant negativity. Negative, yeah, yeah. Connotation with like oh vegan, you're gonna be a hippie vegan <laughs> or, or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it's, oh, you haven't had a shower in six weeks. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. It's, what, what's your take on that? Dude? Right, okay. So again, when we first set the business up, the plant-based business, we called it a vegan business. Mm -hmm. We soon realized, drop that name. Yeah. Because again, when I, when I spoke to this guy four years ago and I didn't even know what a vegan was and then I started looking into it, I was proud to call myself vegan, but then I saw the negativity mm -hmm. And then I, I thought, well, I don't want that. I ditched it. I ditched mm. the word because it. I, I understand there's a lot of vegans, and people might call me preachy at times, but I only do it to have a laugh and wind people up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but if you truly do love an animal, you wouldn't eat it. That's that's the be all and end all. Um, there's no two ways about it. If you don't love animals, then go for it. You know, you know, you're you're a different person to who I am. But we ditched the word vegan and we now call ourselves a plant-based kitchen. Mm -hmm. I, d I don't even tell people, when they phone up and ask or message me about the meals, I just say they're healthy meals because that's what they are. they are. They're healthy meals. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'll give them to people and they don't, I won't, not, I won't tell them they're plant-based, I won't tell them they're vegan, I'll just tell them they're, what they are. They're a healthy mm -hmm. meal. And some people will absolutely love it and then go, what meat? Well, what meat was in that? I told you that. What, mm. what, what was that meat in that dish? And I'm like, oh, it was jackfruit, buddy. I don't argue with them and go, oh, there's no meat in there, mate. We don't kill animals. Yeah. I just say, oh, it's jackfruit, buddy. And they're like, wow, wow. 
I didn't, I didn't realise. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it does, it changes people's uh, mind when you talk talk about plant-based rather than vegan. And then how, how much happier are you guys now working for yourselves yeah. as opposed to when you were... Seven you know, Steph was working yeah, at school yeah, and, yeah. and grafting. What you know? What you don't you don't realise at the time. You know, Steph would come in at six o'clock, and if she didn't come to my boot camp, I'd be like, "Love you loads, babe. See you at eight yeah. And I'd go off and do my boot camp, come back, and then we'd have half an hour, an hour on, on a night. And you don't realise at the time, but you think that's the norm. You think that's okay. You mm-hmm. think that's what everyone does. And then when you get to work together, uh, the reason why we push so hard and work so hard initially was. To have a family, I didn't want to be sending our little girl, Sophie, off to nursery five days a week and have someone else bring them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, she still went to nursery for one, two days because that's social socialising mm-hmm. and social skills. But I wanted to be the one to bring her up. Mm. I've decided to have this human yeah. being. I've decided that she's going to be ours. Why can't we teach her? Why can't we bring her up? So working from home, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's been a, been a bit different with the whole lockdown situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can work around Sophie. We get, oh, well, Steph gets up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's use the right words. Steph gets up at four o'clock in the morning to go and start cooking before Sophie gets up at six, seven. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we can actually get up and get these jobs done before she even she even knows what's happening. Okay. She comes down and smells the food and goes, oh, it's a cook day, is it? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, babe, cook day. We're nearly finished. What do you want for breakfast? And that's how we start our day and then we interact. Awesome. Uh, and we're also trying to teach Sophie as well about cooking, about, you know, it's going to be hard for her really when, she, when she's older and they start talking about work. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, my mum and dad work at home. Yeah. Why can't I? <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, you've got to go and work in a shop, a factory, a hairdresser's. Uh, solicitors, you've got to leave the house and go, she'll be like, well, they work from home. Mm-hmm. They always have. She won't know no different. Um, and it'll be quite interesting to see what's, what um, What's your view or what, what's the approach you're going to take with Sophie in terms of in terms of veganism oh, right. or plant-based? No, no. Uh, yeah, I get asked this a lot. Even yesterday, a few friends asked me, oh, is, is Sophie vegan mm-hmm. and plant-based? And I'm, she is. With us, she's 100%. Mm-hmm. When she goes to my parents... Uh, we not once have we said don't give her this don't give mm-hmm. her that we'd love them to you know respect our wishes and yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and um feed her how we do but it's up to them it's their time with mm-hmm. her uh you know she eats meat up there from from sophie tells me grand <laughs> granddad gives me ham gives me piggy yeah you know she understands it yeah. and i say to her as long as you understand where, come from. where it is and what you've eaten mm-hmm. and it does upset her don't get me wrong i've spoke to her before when she said oh can i have eggs and i'll say you understand where an egg comes from and you know i mean bef- before we switched our next door neighbor's got chicken so we used to get fresh eggs from the mm-hmm. next door neighbor um but a lot of people get them from the supermarket and they don't understand what actually happens to the chickens. Mm-hmm. They all think they're free range. Biggest lie in history. It is. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I, again, I didn't know. I didn't understand it until I looked into it, until I watched mm-hmm. the documentaries and I see these reports. I didn't know. I thought all chickens were happy running around <laughs> the grass fields. <laughs> like they sit like yeah, on the side of lorries. Like, yeah, yeah. Same as cows. They're like... The laughing cow. Yeah. Uh, well, well, here's one on cows. We were on the motorway and we were stuck in traffic and a cattle truck come next to us. And Sophie, she went, oh, look, there's a cow. There's cows. Mm. And she went, where are they going, Daddy? Mm. And I didn't lie to her. I went, they're going one or two places, babe. One's probably to, to a slaughterhouse mm-hmm. to be killed so that someone can eat them. 
or to a dairy farm. And before I even finished that, she was in tears and she asked me to break them out. She did. She said, Daddy, you said commando yeah, skills are yours. Daddy, you can do it. Get them, get them, get them out, let them out. And again, it's stuff like that. If you were honest with your kids, would they carry on eating it? And people say, someone actually, people said that it's child cruelty that I've told her that. What? Yeah, yeah. Someone said that it's child cruelty that I've told her that at such a young age. It's the truth. If you think telling her the truth is wrong, then what's up with the truth? Fucking what does hell. that say? I've yeah, never yeah. heard anyone say that before. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, we've had it. You should let children be children. They shouldn't have to deal with that. I'm not. She doesn't have to deal with it. She just has to understand. I tell her where ice creams come from. I tell her where I tell her where bricks comes from. She asks how houses are built. I don't mm. lie to her. And go. I don't know, babe. They just turn up. Mm. She asks questions, and you've got to tell them the truth. And if you don't know the truth, you look for the truth and give her the right answer. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? People don't understand where how things yeah, yeah, where yeah. like and we're just talking about the meat and dairy industry. They don't understand how they got to Tesco. All they do is <laughs> they go to Tesco and go, mm, "I'm going to have that. That looks delicious." And it's like. You don't know the process. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't know the cruelty, and then what you also don't—you know—they've they've put dye in that meat yeah. to make it look yeah, delicious yeah, yeah. And, and all this. But, it up. Anyway, but, but one more on Sophie, like bless her. You know, she's a child, so you know what child's like yeah. say things. Yeah. We're in the supermarket, <laughs> and people might have a chicken in their basket, and she'd be like, "Oh, daddy, look, they've got chicken. Oh, that's not nice, is it?" And I have to just—and I do. I say this. I say, babe. <laughs> and I don't say it like I say it loud enough so that everyone yeah. I say everyone's got their own choice. Mm -hmm. You've got your choice, but while you're under our roof and you've got no money to buy it, you're <laughs> yes. I like it. And the school, they've accommodated for her. Yeah. Have they? We went into school and we said, look, we're a plant-based family. Uh, would you be able to accommodate? And they, they actually said, Can you come in as parents and tell us what she should do? Wow. Well, they didn't understand it. So we went in with them, they wrote a massive list, and the chefs were like, Yeah, the cat they were like, we can do that. Awesome. So that she has a, a plant-based dish. Yeah. So progress. It, it is progress. And, and hopefully, you know, that other kids will see her eating this and they'll be like, because she gets ice cream quite a lot to other kids don't. Yeah. It's because it's vegan ice cream. It's They've brought it in for especially for her. And some kids might be like, well, So they might change, you know, if they can see that, you know, loads of food is vegan. So, you know, mm. Sophie gets to eat more than some of the other kids. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then uh, we'll start. We'll start wrapping this up. In terms of fighting fit kitchen, what's the future? Dude? Right. Okay. Yeah. So when we were on the high and doing three hundred dishes, we had people around the country asking us if they could set it up, and we helped a couple of people uh, set up in Swansea and set up in um, Huddersfield. But the one in Swansea, bless her, she was a single mom. Uh, she had to get the bus everywhere. She didn't drive, so. She had to rent a kitchen, carrying all the pots and pans. Oh, bloody so hell. So it didn't work. Um, and and also, at the same sort of time, we decided to have another kid. Mm -hmm. So we we focused on life. Uh, we took a step back. I would, um, you know, the baby come along. We had a couple of weeks off. COVID's hit. We were on lockdown. <laughs> We've gone from 300 to 100 to 150 dishes. Mm -hmm. But I'm so happy we are there because it gives us the time back to have with our little baby mm -hmm. uh, instead of worrying about shopping and dishes and deliveries. Mm -hmm. We can really focus on family life. Um, and again, we have looked into delivering them around the country, but we're just not clever enough to put it together and how much it cost a bomb, you know, because the, the, they have to be obviously in certain packages mm -hmm. in, and then in a refrigerated van. It just the price then starts going up and up and up, and we want to keep this affordable for everyone. That's what it's all about, you know. Um, but so we're happy with where we are. 
I don't know. I don't know. In all honesty, I don't know. I'm just, you, I think you, we're you, comfy because we've got such a, a happy balance of life and work. You're living life on your terms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we dictate. Like Steph might be getting a bit stressed out, and I'll just say, "Cap it! Mm-hmm. Don't take any more orders." Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if you work for someone, you could not do that. Mm-hmm. You'd have to take them orders, and you'd have to produce them goods. Because we work for ourselves, we can say, "Right, let's cut that out." You know, and, and every five, well, <laughs> every five six weeks, we'll have a week off. You know, we'll go away for a week. We'll sort awesome. Rich off. You know, um, and and I think that's what you need to do. You need to understand the life work balance, and we need to understand life mm-hmm. more than work isn't it you know that's what that's what uh, that's something i massively believe in is like we've, we've got it wrong yeah you yeah. know we're, we're brought up to be like you need to work 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 and i'm and i'm not opposed to working <laughs> but it's working on your terms and doing something which you genuinely love yeah there's way too many people and i, I hate to be that person who brings out stats but it's something like 76 yeah, percent of people yeah. hate their job yeah so like if it but unfortunately, they're in that position now where they've got such financial responsibilities yeah. where you can't just go, well, That's I'm it. Go, I've always wanted to be a drum player, so I'm going to play the drum. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I get it. But there's, there's, there's got to be another way. And, you know, but, but sorry, I wanted to, I just, I generally wanted to ask one last thing, because uh, I think this is awesome what you're doing, is, is the food bank thing. Oh, right, Can you yeah. just tell us how this came about and, and, and how it works? Steph organised all this, so I'm just regurgitating. Hopefully I've got it right, okay. So there's a there's a store in town uh, run by two amazing people and, and they sell stuff really, really cheap. And I'm mm-hmm. talking, it's not a vegan, it's just a normal store. They sold eight cabbage cream eggs for a pound. Then that's cheap. Yeah. So we, we I didn't even know this store existed. And we bumped into it for, over this whole COVID thing. And I went in and I, it was actually an old friend of ours. Uh, she used to come to a running club. Hmm. And we got chatting and Steph was like, how do you get the food so cheap? There's factories uh, all around the country. And she set these up where um, big stores, you know, Morrison, Tesco's, Aldi, all of them, if they've got food that's going to run out of date, hmm. not used by, but run out of date, mm-hmm. if they've got products that have got a misspelling on the packaging. yeah. Or if the packaging's a little blurry. Dented or something, yeah, yeah. They have to bin it. So these big factories have took them in and then they distribute it to stores uh, or to charities. Mm-hmm. So we got in touch with them and said, we run Fight and Fit Kitchen. Is there any way we could get products off you so we could reduce the cost of our meals to the public? Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, would you be able to distribute it to the public? So we get, um, we started off on, I think it was like a 100 kilograms no was it 150 kilograms of food delivered yeah the first month was free we didn't have to pay for it we just boxed it up or we just phoned people messaged people say look if you're struggling because covid's made people struggle massively we said don't be ashamed come we're asking for nothing we are saying if you want to donate because the next month we've got to start paying Mm-hmm. So if we donate now, it'll cover the next few instalments. Awesome. So we've carried that on, and people have been so generous. We're saying a minimum of £3, take a box worth. People are paying £5, £10, £6, £3. It doesn't matter. It's adding up, and it's actually paying. Each week now, we're managed to cover the delivery cost, and we're able to increase the delivery. So the delivery started at £60. I think we're now paying £90, but we're obviously getting more food. Yeah. And it, it's working amazingly, mate. It really is. People... Uh, people are embracing it you know they're coming round they're messaging us first thing as it comes as it comes mm-hmm. you know it's helping them bring their shopping bills down and that's what we want to do and all that food not going to waste yeah because I didn't realise that this is what happens about mm-hmm. food waste there's programmes you can watch um, and when the guy delivers it to me he said when he first started working for me he said it blows his mind every day he goes in there mm-hmm. how much gets wasted 
how much he's getting binned. There's nothing wrong with some of the items that turn it's up. Like you say, it's silly stuff. Yeah, just because some two words are blurred, yeah. they have to bin it. They don't just take the label off, they bin it. And it kills me, and, I'm, and I see this stuff, and I'm like... I'm like, mate, this this tofu still got two months in date, and he's like, yeah, look at the back, mate. There's a spelling mistake somewhere, and they have to get rid of it. So we're getting hold of it. We're giving it out to the community, and they're embracing it. Yeah. Mate, I think that, that's awesome. Yeah. I genuinely think that's awesome. It's working well. So I think I think that's pretty much <laughs> wraps it up, man. I think we talked a bit there. I yeah. think I think we could probably talk. I, I know I could talk a lot more. more. <laughs> I, know you, yeah. uh, I think we could talk a lot more about. Uh, Fizz, because we're both yeah. we both love our fizz, uh, and how the world of fitness is going, and also probably what we could talk about more is is probably is veganism and, yeah, and yeah, the whole movement yeah. of veganism and and how it's uh, how it's never been easier. To oh, be a, it's to so be easy right now. You know, I get a lot of people. It's hard being vegan. It's hard going plant based. It's not. It's the fact that you don't understand it. All you need mm. to do is reach out to someone. There's so many influencers, you know, there's us, you know, there's so many people you could just message and say, what do I replace this with? What do I do? Mm. Where do I go? The shops are full with fake meat. I'm not a massive fan of it, but it does help people transition. Mm -hmm. um, documentaries out there. I mean, we've got to mention Game Changer. Jesus, that yeah. did change a lot of people's minds. Just watch it. Take it in. You don't have to go vegan seven days a week. You know, if you were to just push the boat out and do... A couple of days, you'd understand how better you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And when you start understanding why you're doing it, you won't go back, sort yeah, of thing. But yeah, we could talk about it all day, couldn't we? We could. We absolutely could. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Dude, thank you very much for doing this. Oh, mate, I've had a, I've had a blast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been awesome hearing your, hearing your full story. Because obviously, we've known each other for ages, but you never really sit down with someone no, yeah, and be yeah, like... No. So, so why did you, yeah, 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 why yeah. Did you join ages? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's been, it's been a blast. I'm uh, mega cool, appreciative. Cool. Thank you very much. And then, uh, yeah, stand by for another one next week. Thanks for listening. Leaders. Take care. So then, people, how was it? You enjoy that? I hope so. Um... Right, just to wrap it up, I just want to say thanks again to Al for for the chit chat. It was a, it was a pleasure, mate. And then um, if you are interested in watching the little, uh, I think it's about a twelve minute little documentary I did on Al, um, head over to YouTube. Uh, handle is at the Nomadic Veteran, and if you can't find it on there, then uh, chase me up on Instagram if you want. Uh, same handle at the Nomadic Veteran. Fire me a find me. A, a message and I'll, I'll point in the right direction. But anyway, until next time, leaders.